Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. And tonight, I'm here with... Nashika Caesar. Coming up, over the next 90 minutes, Lassa Fever claims the life of one Ghanaian and affects 13 others. We hear from health officials on how they're managing the spread. Also coming up, Russian crude docks in Tema, causing agitations. But government says... The facts are wrong. We have the details here on Eyewitness News plus the accusations that this is going to trouble Ghana. And later on Eyewitness News, um, after many days of uh, collating, counting, sorting, um, Tinubu, the man, Bola Tinubu, the man who was once governor of Lagos, has been elected and declared the winner of the Nigerian presidential elections. We'll be finding out what that means and what exactly he's going to be doing for Africa's populous country. Stay with 97.3 CTF and for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. We are live across Ghana on Tumpani Radio 88.5 FM in Nadoli. We are on Rikas 92.1 FM in Bongo Namu. We are on North Star Radio 92.1 in Tamale. We are in Nobia FM 98.1 in Nalerigu. We are on Beach 105.5 FM in Takradi, Sky Power 93.5 FM also in Takradi. We are on Focus 94.3 FM in Kumasi and Orange 107.9 FM also in Kumasi. We are in the Volta region on Sela Radio 97.1 FM in Dabala. We are on Holy FM 98.5 FM in Aflao. In Savannah, we are on Kasha 99.5 FM. In Damongo, and we are also in Jirapa on 96.1 FM. Now, we also have business coming up on Eyewitness News and the latest headlines tonight, Nashka. The business community pushes for SMEs in the country to adopt renewable energy to help local producers cut down production costs. So that's a business segment on Eyewitness News. Let me know what you make of the stories we are bringing you. 0549-986-996. We are live on citynewsroom.com. That's our website. We are live on YouTube. We are live on Facebook. And we are live on all the platforms that you can listen to radio on this is eyewitness news broadcasting from adabraka in accra my name is umaru sandama here with nashika caesar we take off from the health sector of ghana the ghana health service says it is tracing persons who may have come into contact with those who have contracted lassa fever the director general of the ghana health service is dr patrick kuma abuaji he's joining us on the line doc you're welcome to eyewitness news oh thank you and good evening Good evening to you too. First of all, this Lassa fever, what is it and how bad is it? Yeah, thank you very much. It's one of the diseases for the hemorrhagic fever, viral hemorrhagic fever. That, that's just like um, fever, joint pain, sore throat, etc. And then start having bleeding from um, all the open orifices. Bloody stools, bloody urine, 
ingredients and those are the end stage that so it's the same class as Ebola and the Marbex, they all form that that that's good. And so that's what it is. It's usually transmitted by rodents, mainly mice, hamsters, and all those things. So those animals, uh, if, you come in, if they are infected and they come in contact with their urine or their feces, then it can be transmitted from the animal to man and obviously from man to man, human to human, through body fluid. So it is not an airborne disease, but it is close contact disease. So if you marry blood, from your blood, urine, and many other, all those body fluids are areas that can be transmitted to, to from one person to another. So just by touching so, the, the urine or stepping on the urine of a rodent that has the, the, the fever, I'm, I'm, or that I'm, is able to get through any open space, any... Um, does it mean all the rodents automatically have it or there are some rodents that have no, this no, fever? No, rodents that have it. And ho- where rodents do they get have... it from? Where's the origin? Well, it's a virus. I mean, just like we get virus from our but we also uh, are having it as we serve as food those viruses. It doesn't make them sick anyway. So, but once it enters the human, it becomes a different uh, problem. So that's why we have to. Okay. So for people who get it, the first place they may have gotten it from would be from the rodents, and then human beings well, will now transmit to other humans. Yeah. So the case we see, we don't really know whether we got it straight from a rodent or from another person. So, and that's why we do contact tracing to look at all your contacts and see. If you can identify the possible source of the infection, so this is not something we can say we imported from abroad. Well, it can. It definitely must have been imported. If not now, some time ago, so these are uh, rodents who can move. But now, West Africa is endemic in most some countries in West Africa, Sierra Leone, Nigeria, and um, Liberia, and a few other countries. So we are, it's endemic around. Uh, West Africa. So it's very easy with the movement for someone to bring it here and then it becomes uh, then it starts transmitting as well. Mind you, we've had one before. We had the last case was in 2011 when we had uh, last fever. We've had a few sporadic outbreaks and we are able to contain it. So. This person who contracted it, um, what happened to him and when did we find out that he had this last fever? He appeared Kolebu uh, not feeling well. I mean, through some other facility before coming to Kolebu. Then, when he started, the signs were there. So, the doctor checked to see whether it could be a hemorrhagic fever. And the results came from Mobuchi as well. So, that's how we found out. Is he the same person who died or someone died else? The one who died. The one who died. And then, the second person was the contact of her as a health worker treating the woman. Uh, also, one of them was in the first uh, contact who got infected. So, for, for Lassa fever, health workers are most people rush to your hospital, and before you know what you are dealing with, 
people are infected, especially if you don't do a lot of what we call barrier medicine. The, the Which means family. all these 13 people trace their virus to him. Well, what we did is that we are tracing contacts of that case. So all of them are linked somehow to her. Does this include... Is, oh, it's a her. It's not a him. It's a her, yeah. Does the list include health workers? Yes. For now, I would say they have close family members and then a significant number of them are health workers. Yeah, Should I be... The good uh, thing that they are all not sick, they are all should I be afraid going to the Kolebu Teaching Hospital because of no, this? No, no, no. I told you that it's a close contact disease. It's not an airborne disease. And so you get into a, a body field of an infected person, you will not be able to fight them. So that's what you What should the general population do? Well, the most important is personal hygiene is extremely important. Making sure that our markets and other places your homes are as wooden free as possible. Uh, don't litter your, don't throw your, your garbage very close to the house. That's the one that attracts rodents into your house. So if you throw them far away, then the chance of them being in contact with you and your food, etc., is reduced. And um, anytime you have any such condition, you report your hospital where there's suspicion, you will be done. As uh, as Ghana Health, okay. So as Ghana Health Service, what are you doing? What we have done is, I mean, send an alert to all our health workers across the country to be on the lookout. We have defined what when what to look for, and which when they see, they should raise the alert. We have the test levels uh, activated all our active surveillance levels from national all the way to the community. Be on the lookout and. Yeah, you see whether there's any case of anybody with those symptoms who have died or who's unwell and look at that. We've also stockpiled a lot of our PPEs and distributed and we start training the people to be able to prepare to, to respond. We brought in an antiviral that we use for treating water fever. They arrived last night in the GIGC and anybody who is who is infected. Either troop of license and those who need treatment are given. So those are the things we are doing. We are and we are getting ready for any um, eventuality. Also, but we are hoping that we'll be able to contain this ourselves. We believe that we found it on time. We've been able to quickly round up all the 97 or so contacts, including ambulance, people, etc. And they are the ones we are testing. And they are the ones who have some uh, positive coming up. We are doing more tests. It is possible that we may get a few more cases. But that's the only thing. To quickly identify, isolate them, and so I don't spread it to other people and able to quickly So you have many more people in queue who are being tested. Um, when before so we, we, have we, we have some, yeah, some, some blood samples in the lab, which is going to test. So these people you are so testing, do, do they have to be quarantined or? Well, those who are immediate contact and we are quarantining them. Um, and uh, we are also observing some of them who are able to isolate at home and oversee them isolate at home. And those who have symptoms are also being put in the hospital and being taken care Very well. Uh, thank you so much for speaking to us, uh, Doc.
Thank you very much, Mark. That's Dr. Patrick Kumar Boaji. He is Director General of the Ghana Health Service. The Ghana Medical Association has issued a statement uh, signed by the President and Acting General Secretary, who is actually joining us on the line, and that's Dr. Richard Selomi. Uh, Doc, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Yeah, thank you very much, Umaira. As a body of doctors, uh, having seen this news, um, some 14 persons affected, one of them died. Um it's eyebrow raising for the ordinary person, but for you, the professionals, is this a normal thing? What, 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 what is your reading of the grounds, and what should we do? Um, good evening to your listeners. I, I can understand from the normal person's perspective that sometimes when uh, outbreaks like this happen, uh, people will get scared and people will be set into the panic mood. But uh, we would want to caution and encourage people not to panic. Uh, the important thing is to take the measures that the Ghana Health Service has advised for people to take precautions to prevent the spread of the disease rather than panic. And that may actually lead to the spread of the disease. Um, when outbreaks like this happen, because some of these conditions are rare, uh, typically the first people might not present early and you might see uh, situations where they might present late and you might have such fatalities. However, that is not what we wish. And typically, once it's picked up, you realize that measures have been put in place to quickly control the spread and also identify cases much earlier and manage them better. I see. Uh, we are told that usually the first respondents or the medical officers who attend to such persons who may have carried the virus unknowingly into the wards and other places are the ones who get affected as professionals health professionals are you getting the adequate protection that you need uh, so that you do not become conveyor belts uh, onto other patients in the hospital if you receive this virus from a patient who brings it unknowingly yeah indeed uh, among the 14 persons uh, we we are aware that some health professionals have been infected including doctors some nurses and some con close contacts of these people Yes, it's true that uh, these people have been infected, but as we, we know, uh, PPEs and protections are both the PPE dependent and then also people dependent. So we, were, we are encouraging, that's why in our, our message to our members, we encourage them to adhere strictly to the uh, IPC, Infection Prevention Control Protocols, so that they can minimize the spread of infection spread among professionals and then from professionals to other patients or community. Yeah. Are you getting the adequate PPEs, though? Do you have enough? What I mean is that, is our health system ready and prepared to deal with an issue like Lassa fever outbreak? Well, um, PPEs can never be enough because they are not uh, items that you use and reuse. So we would also call for more PPEs uh, to be used. Uh, generally speaking, it is direct contact with bodily fluids, unlike in the situation of uh, COVID and other respiratory viruses that is spread uh, through droplets or through the air. So in this case, uh, as much as possible, we think there are generally adequate amounts of PPE in most facilities. However, with the increase in numbers, that will require more and more PPEs. And we'll call on government to ensure that uh, adequate numbers of PPEs are procured for all facilities, and then uh, the the infectious disease centres that are handling the cases 
be stepped up in terms of PPEs and other supportive treatments that are required for care of patients. Now, I do know that this should be something that we should not equate to the outbreak of COVID-19, which is a pandemic. We've been able to generally deal with the issue of COVID-19. That would then mean that our system has enough shock absorbers to deal with Lassa fever. There should be no need to be worried, should there? Well, uh, as I mentioned, the good thing is that when you go through a pandemic, you build in some experience, both human as well as some resilience in the system. And that is why you realize that this has been picked up quite early and contacts are quickly being traced. The other bit is, is also that while that is good, the virus is different from COVID-19. And therefore, for example, what is required to manage COVID-19 is a bit different from what is required to manage uh, Lassa fever, which is a hemorrhagic type of fever. People might, in the severe form, need and even need blood and other things, which may not necessarily be required in COVID-19. The medication that is found to be yielding good results in this one is rebavirin, which is also not so common, but then we know of efforts government is making to try to procure some to be available in the system. And we have called on government and are working closely to push government to ensure that this is available in adequate numbers to manage cases in case there's a blow-up of cases. So I think the system in general is better prepared than where we were when Ebola and COVID came, but we still need some additional things to make sure that we are fully prepared to handle the numbers in case numbers go up. But we are hoping rather that we prevent the spread than uh, uh, have to deal with cases. The next question I'm going to ask you is not related to Lassa fever, but it's also bothering on the health sector. The issue of the vaccine shortage. Do you have any comments to make on it so far uh, since the announcement came? Has there been any resolution to the matter? Well, uh, we are informed. We have made some informal calls to government to ensure that the vaccine issue is addressed since it's quite a serious matter. And one of our... uh, subgroups, the Pediatric Society actually issued a statement to the matter, and we have done direct follow-ups. We are not certain at this point. I don't have information that the vaccines have been procured, but we have been told of efforts to ensure that it comes in within the next two weeks or so. But uh, I would have to get better informed on that matter to speak to it. But we are encouraging government to ensure that the vaccines are available as soon as possible to prevent the re-emergence of vaccine-preventable diseases. Thank you so much for your time, Doc. Thank you so much, Umaru. Have a pleasant evening. You too. That's Dr. Richard Selome. He's Acting General Secretary of the Ghana Medical Association. Earlier, you heard from Dr. Patrick Kumabwaji. He's Director General of the Ghana Health Service. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Let's remain with the health sector. Uh, Nashika has some more stories. Right, the Member of Parliament for Tamale North, Al-Hassan Sunyini, has expressed fear over the possible closure of schools in his area following the outbreak of measles. The MP says the situation has been as a result of the shortage of vaccines in parts of the country. The Minister of Health, Kwekwe Jumanmenu, failed to honor an invitation by the Health Committee of Parliament to answer questions about the disturbing trend 
on Tuesday. Although the minister was also scheduled by the Business Committee of Parliament to appear before the House today on the matter, he failed to show up. Speaking to City News after a statement made on the outbreak of measles on the floor of Parliament due to vaccine shortages, the MP demanded that the minister is held before the House as soon as possible. It is beyond my area and it is alarming. In fact, um, at some point a couple of months ago, the central hospital in Tamale had to shut down the pediatric unit because of how alarming cases of measles had become. And because it is a very contagious uh, disease, um, if care is not taken, very soon uh, many schools will have to close down. Because, I mean, children with runny nose, temperature, and, and the like, uh, you know, tend to be very common at the lower level of education. But when those are happening in the midst of an outbreak of measles, you are not even able to tell if a child is suffering from measles or not until sometimes perhaps it is, or it becomes too late. So far... Um, there are no records of deaths. But it is just shameful that at this time we should be talking about measles and not just isolated cases of measles, but an outbreak of measles. Given how far we have come with our immunization as a country, look, we're supposed to have eradicated it by 2020. And for us to have an outbreak in 2023 speaks of the you know, levels of failure as far as the targets that we set for ourselves is concerned. And I am greatly worried. And especially so when the indication is that we do not have enough vaccines in the country today. That is so disturbing. How did we get to this point that we are not prepared to uh, 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 store the necessary vaccines required to prevent some of this preventable you know, diseases. Ghana has always been a case study when it comes, I mean, for its peers, when it comes to, you know, uh, our track record in immunization. We seem to have a very robust system in place developed by the Ghana Health Service. And so the inefficiency lately is simply as a result of, I believe, lack of resources or inadequate provision of resources or mis application of the resources that have been provided because there is simply no reason why we should not have the vaccines that are required uh, given the you know leadership ghana has shown you know in the area of immunization it is such a shame that at this time we are having to deal with an outbreak of a disease we're supposed to have eradicated you know in 2020 and dealing with it without even the necessary essential vaccines to, to, to immunize, you know, children who are at risk as a result of this outbreak. So I am quite concerned and I am happy that colleagues agree together with the speaker that the Minister of Health uh, tomorrow must appear before the House to let us know what government is doing about the outbreak, which is not just limited to the Tamale enclave. It's, it's in the northern region and even parts of uh, other regions outside the northern region. And it is important that the minister tells us how government is dealing with it and what government expects from all stakeholders, including even members of parliament like myself. So I am happy that that uh, call that I made has been agreed to and the minister hopefully 
will be on the floor tomorrow to let us know where we are uh, uh, at as far as the, the the measles outbreak is concerned and the lack of vaccines uh, to deal with some of these uh, preventable diseases, you know, is concerned. Alhassan Suhini is the Member of Parliament for Tamale North. The Majority Leader Seiche Mensabunza says the Minister must be invited over tomorrow to brief the House on measures being taken to deal with the situation. I would join the colleagues who have uh, indicated that the Minister of Health should be invited to, spend, to personally speak to these matters so that we have him on record officially as to how the country is working to address this ailment. We have the majority leader say Chief Mensah Bonsu. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. You're welcome back. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Let me bring some of your messages that have been coming through. Uh, Kennedy Onipaye Adie says, Ghana Health Service should prepare very well to combat this deadly disease. Prince Henry Nkofurida says, Nana Kufado should have sacked our health minister for failing uh, to appear in parliament to update us on the measures he had put in place to control this Lassa fever and shortage of vaccines. The health minister has taken Ghanaians for a ride and he must be sacked now. John Sadoboy in La says, I just hope and pray that the government will trace the contact of this deadly disease called Lassa fever before they start to blame it on the economy, just as they are doing for Russia, Ukraine, and coronavirus. Let me go to some other stories now. Bloomberg has made a publication, which publication has uh, led to lots of um, issues and discussions happening. I could just open that story for you if you give me a moment. It has to do with um, apparently some crude oil that has been brought in from Russia. And uh, okay, so I'm looking at the story now. It's published by Bloomberg. Uh, three reporters, Ecordonto, Sherisu, and Lucia Kasai, on 27 February 2023. And it says a Russia oil to be stashed in Ghana as pool of bias shrinks. Let's speak to someone who has also picked intel on this particular subject. He was once a minister for power, deputy, and MP for Yapekuso, Honorable John Abdullahi Jinapo. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you. Thank what you. do you know about this story? Well, my checks indicate that indeed 100,000 barrels of oil has arrived here in Ghana. Indeed, as you rightly put it, Bloomberg had reported that. Dr. Mustafa Hamid, the CEO of the National Petroleum Authority, the regulator of the downstream sector, had promised that the vessel would be turned away because Ghana was not in a position to accept crude oil coming from Russia. Contrary to the assurance from the minister, the information we have picked is that the oil has been discharged into the tanks of Tema Oil Refinery. Even more disturbing is the fact that Tema Oil Refinery has not been working for about two years now. There's been an attempt to shift this parcel to a company called Plant and Gas Oil Ghana Limited. But that plant can only process just about 3.6% or 4% of these 80,000 metric tons of crude. And so there are so many questions 
that are left unanswered. And one would have expected that as a responsible regulator with an international news carried by Bloomberg, the NPA would have issued a statement to clarify the situation. Government would have issued a statement to clarify the situation. Even more disturbing is the fact that Mr. Edwin Provincial, the MD for Bost, assured us that four parcels of finished product would arrive in the coming day. And even went further to promise that we should expect a minimum of one CD reduction on petrol and diesel on each liter. That has tend to be false. This is boss, the boss MD. He assured us, and a lot of your media houses carried that story. It has turned out to be false. And that is why we cautioned government when they started this so-called goal for oil deal. Look at the embarrassing situation we are finding ourselves. Government is mute. The ministry is mute. NPA is mute. Edwin Provincial has gone under the carpet. And nobody is releasing information as far as this issue is concerned. This does not bode well for good governance. Look, moral, this whole goal for oil deal is not about oil. It is an attempt by this government to push out licensed local gold exporters, appropriate their business, and give it to their cronies. It's as simple as that. Because there's some markup or margin on the gold sale, and government officials are determined to give these sweetheart deals to their cronies and their business partners. Look, since they started this goal for oil business, what has been the impact? You tell us what has been the impact. No impact. It is rather leading to scandals upon scandals, and today the MPA is mute. But if they do not respond, we shall use the necessary and appropriate parliamentary processes from tomorrow to ensure that the MPA, which is a state institution, is held liable and accountable and answerable to the people of Ghana. Okay. Why are you connecting this to gold for oil and even bringing in Bost in there when the story does not mention Bost? The story mentions NPA, mentions Tor. Can you explain what the connection is? Because the story does not even mention gold for oil. Plus, this is crude oil. It's not even finished product. So, why are you doing the connection that you are doing? Because Bost assured us that we should be expecting some four parcels of oil. In the coming days? Yes, in, in different periods. Um, in, in different periods, starting from, I think, last week or so. Edwin Provenza was on my show here and gave us a breakdown. I don't have the date immediately, but he did not yes, say... Was, he, he did not you, say. I listened to you. Uh-huh. I listened to program. But he didn't say crude oil. At least, yeah, but he didn't say crude oil. expect at least a one CD reduction in prices at the pumps. He was categorical. At least. He didn't say about. And at least simply means that that is the flaw. That is the minimum. I'm just telling you generally how deceptive this government is. But, but we have seen we have seen information that there's a reduction at the pumps today. And I don't know, but it seems we are moving on from the main issue. We'll come back to that. But just not on because the... any oil has been imported. Why? Why has, it go, why has it gone down? Because oil market prices has gone down. Okay. And you can check from plots. No problem. Let's not go. because of gold for oil. Okay. Let's remain with the Russian thing. Um, we have made contact with the Ministry of Energy. Uh, the ministry has re- refused to grant us an interview on this. 
Uh, we've contacted Bost. Bost was not mentioned. So Bost says, well, there's nothing really to share with us because he has no knowledge of this information because he's not involved. We contacted Tor, the Tema Oil Refinery. We've not been successful to get an interview. Then we called the NPA, National Petroleum Authority. We were not granted an interview, but we've been given an off-record information. So I'm going to share that information with you, which is what we picked from NPA, but it's unofficial. It's not attributed to anybody, but it's something we picked up from there. And the information we got is that the crude is from Kazakhstan and not Russia. And that the crude belongs to a private refinery known as Platon and is not for Tema Oil Refinery. And that Tema Oil Refinery tour is just storing the product or the crude for this company known as Platon, which is a private company, which is a refinery. And that tour is doing this at a fee. The NPA further tells us that the vessel has not discharged the content yet. It is still at the anchorage in Tema. And that it is going through security checks, quality checks, etc. Before the offloading would be done or the discharge would be done. So this means that fundamentally the crude is not coming from Russia but it's coming from Kazakhstan. So it should not be a big deal. What do you say to that? You qualified your statement that it is not official. Yes, it is not. You qualified your statement that we can't place official premium on what you picked. The MPA owes the people of Ghana a responsibility, not a favor. It's a responsibility. They have to tell the people of Ghana what the situation is. More especially when an international media house such as Bloomberg calls the MPA chief executive of assuring that the vessel will be turned back, the MPA gives approval and authorization before that product can be discharged here in Ghana. Even before the vessel gets to our port, the MPA must have given some prior approval, at least for the vessel to birth. And so the MPA is only being mischievous and not trying to tell us the truth. We demand answers from the MPA because the MPA chief executive and his team is paid by the taxpayer and they ought to do that. They should not hide and say that they are providing information that is unofficial. What is that? MPA is not supposed to give us unofficial information. They are obliged to give us official information. And like I said, we know the capacity of Planton. We know what they can process even in a year. And we know the shelf life of these products. And we have had situations where even in less than six months, Tor has sold Ghana's crude oil, claiming that you cannot keep that crude oil for more than six months. So what has changed? And so let us ensure that the National Petroleum Authority, the downstream regulator, provides adequate information with clarity and official information so that all of us can be dealing with official information. What is a big deal if we are bringing crude from Russia? So what is the big deal for the MPA boss to tell us that he will turn the crude back if there's nothing wrong with bringing crude from Russia? That is the issue. What is the big deal if this indeed turns out to be a private company that has gone to purchase its own crude oil to come and refine in Ghana, which we are told is a norm? So let us get a fact. Why does government need to even talk about something that a private man has decided to go and do? Because government gives approval. 
government grants approval before that oil comes in. Yeah, but government, government grants approval. So government certifies people who are bringing in containers of Obroni Wewu from China, for instance. Does it matter that government has to always come and issue a statement on it? This a private person doing business with a private person bringing that product to a private refinery. So government really shouldn't say anything, should it? Omar, government brings in Obroni Wewu. That is not an issue. That is why CTFM is not carrying it. This is a major issue. This is an issue making international round. This is an issue that has international ramifications. This is an issue the U.S. itself has indicated that countries that do not stand by them would face some repercussions. Government has already voted, and I mean the Republic of Ghana, against Russia at the U.N. Government, through NPA's chief executive, is reported to have said that he finds something wrong with oil coming from Russia, and so he will return the vessel. I am not bringing these issues up. These are issues that have come up, and I'm sure that City FM itself find these issues meritorious. That is why I find these issues weighty. That is why you have decided to bring it to the fore. Let us discuss this matter. Crude oil business is not like Obroni Well. 600,000 barrels of crude oil is not like a bale of Obroni Well. It has serious implications for this country. The MPA must come clean, the MPA must come official, so that we can digress and discuss these issues and come to a finality on it. Very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you, my brother. That's the Yapi Kusau Member of Parliament, former Deputy Prime Minister, General John Abdullah Jinapo. Let's now hear from Nana Amwesi the seventh, uh, who is with IES, um, the Institute for Energy Security. Now, now, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Has this also come to your attention? Uh, the facts that are available as published by Bloomberg, have you been able to corroborate these facts or what we have unofficially heard from government is re- the, the fact that we should be working with? Thanks for having me, Neymar Good evening to you. Yes, um, we are following the lead um, as brought forward by Bloomberg. And uh, we can confirm that, yes, today at Anchorage, we have a vessel by name MT Testius carrying roughly 80,000 metric tons of crude oil and is destined to be received uh, into Tamaria Refinery uh, crude storage. Again, we can also confirm that the cargo is free from any interception uh, in fact, it is waiting to even go ahead with a pre-birthing meeting uh, so that it can begin discharging into Temoya Refinery. The only thing that's stopping them from discharging is uh, MPA's clearance so that they can discharge. That's what we have established. What the next indication we are picking from the corridors of government is that the cargo is originating from Kadaskan and not from Russia. We are yet to authenticate this claim because many a times you can find bill of ladings bundling around or moving around, yet they could be fictitious and they could be false. You could also have a bill of lading that is showing that this is where the cargo was loaded, but the origination could come from somewhere because the port of loading could be the warehouse of the cargo but not the origin. And so the IES team, as, uh, in collaboration with uh, its external partners, 
are tailing this uh, product to confirm whether it is really coming from Kazakhstan or from Russia. If it's confirmed that it's coming from Russia, then we'll advise the president and handlers of the country to send away this vessel as quickly as possible. And from Kazakhstan, we still have issues to, uh, uh, that need to be addressed. The size of cargo, Omar Sanda, is too big for the recipient that we have come to identify. And that's Platon uh, Gas Oil Limited. Last year, all that Platon could do and distribute into the country was 2,839 metric tons of RFO and diesel the whole year. So if you bring one parcel of size of 80,000 metric tons, it raises questions. It raises suspicion. And so we think clarity has to be brought to bear on these issues. And uh, we are still following uh, the lead and we'll bring to you and your listeners as we go forward. Just to get clarity, so you're saying that so the figure being used is 600,000 barrels, but that's converted into metric tons to be 80,000 metric tons. Sure. You are saying that this company that supposedly imported the, 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 the crude oil processed only 2,000 the whole of last year. Two, two, two thousand metric tons. So, so around three thousand metric tons. Around three thousand, and that's the market share for last year was zero point zero seven percent. So, of the four of the four um four point two two million metric ton that we consumed as a country last year. Zero point zero seven percent, and all of a sudden you are bringing. 80,000 metric tons, way above your size. So we are asking, are they fronting for somebody? Are they fronting for an institution? Or are they expanding their business, which is normal and in order? When you want to expand your business, you expand it within your own assets. If you want to use a state asset to expand it, then the state has a duty to convey to citizens and bring clarity to the issues because, yes, like you are suspecting, Omar Sander, they will push this product into toll. They will not refine this product. They don't have capacity. Then they will ask toll to begin to process on tolling arrangements. If it's an extension of government goods for your program, Ghanaians must be told so that we can also follow and ascertain whether there's value for money whether there won't be any reputational damage to the country, whether it won't end up to be part of the losses that we are seeing under the energy sector. Nana, if you're a company that is into refining oil or crude, I'm not sure you have to buy the exact quantity that you need. It may make sense that you buy a lot and put it away so you can be refining it bit by bit could that be what does the does it does a plan that this company has decided to adopt let's buy it cheap because we got it cheap maybe at this time and i don't know how much they bought it for but maybe they got it from kazakhstan if that's uh, to be believed what the mp has said to us off record is to be believed they got it from kazakhstan maybe someone decided to clear their warehouse and they decided to bring everything and put it here and be using it bit by bit would, would that be 
senseless to, 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 well, to do. Well said, Omar Sander. Um, 80,000 metric ton. This refinery can only process, um, the earliest time they can finish processing this crude is six months. Tall's crude oil storage capacity is not more than 2 million barrels. So if you are bringing 600,000 metric tons to store at all and be piping uh, in smaller quantities to your facility, then what we are certain is that they are using store at all as a storage. Last December, late December 2022, Deputy Energy Minister Ejapa Mesa stated clearly that by end of February, Tor will start to work. Full operation. Full operation means that having adequate supply of crude oil. Full operation means that having a, a, a plant that is uh, in good shape to run and personnel that is in good, uh, you know, who are in good position to run it. So we are expecting that Tor should start uh, processing as soon as possible. Why should somebody come and lock a product in Tor's tank and hold Tor to ransom? That's another thing, thing that you may also begin to, uh, you know, avert your mind to. And so, yes, somebody can choose to say, this time around, I'm expanding my business, so I'm buying a large quantity. But all that we all know today, and it's a fact, is that this cargo is a stranded cargo because it's not in MPA's plan program. It's not part of MPA's LACAN. Well, that's why the MPA is struggling to give clearance to this cargo if it's even coming from Kazakhstan. And so we believe that there are many things that need to be cleared for Ghanaians so that we can have value for money and we can at least save ourselves from any reputational damage, any diplomatic row. Very well. We'll keep trying to um, look for answers uh, from the NPA. When we do so, we'll share it with the world. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Super. Thanks for having me. That's Nana Amwesi the seventh, is executive director of the Institute of Energy Security. This is Eyewitness News on ninety seven point three City FM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. We are also around the globe on citynewsroom.com. So we contacted uh, NPA unofficially. The information that we got is that the crude um, has indeed landed. Uh, is at the port of Tema, but it's not been discharged and that it is in at the anchorage um that the the content is still on the vessel and that the crude is from kazakhstan and not russia and that the crude belongs to a private refinery known as platinum and not Tema oil refinery and that Tema oil refinery tor or tor would only store the produce for the company at a fee uh, so that is what we have picked up so far, even though we do not have an official statement or an interview with the NPA on this subject. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 City. When we come back, the teacher unions, four of them, you can call them a gang of four, um, they have issue with government again. We'll tell you what the problem is this time around. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News.
You welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Four teacher unions, namely uh, the Ghana National Association of Teachers, NAT, the National Association of Graduate Teachers, NAGRAT, the Concerned Coalition of Teachers, uh, the CCT, and the Teachers and Educational Workers Union, TEW. These two, these four groups, uh, these four groups have become a single group. Which single group has issued a statement? And the statement is titled "Withholding of NPRA fees effective March 2023." Um, it's an issue that looks simple, but I'm not really sure it is that simple. So we've called up Angel Kabonu, who is president of Nagrat. Angel, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you very much, tomorrow. What is this issue you have with um, GSOPs? T t tell us what your problems with, with the Tier 2 deductions well, is. Yes, the issue is not with GSOP. You know, every month, the government of Ghana deducts money from the worker's salary. And it's supposed to pay that money into the various occupational funds. And the name of our occupational fund is the GSOP. Ghana Education Service Occupational Pension Scheme. Unfortunately, the monies that have been deducted for the past eight months have not been paid into the scheme for the scheme to be able to invest the money. And the regulator of pensions in this country is the NPRA. A month ago, we issued a statement indicating that if MPRA does not wake up to do the work it is particularly mandated to do, then the fees that we pay to the MPRA, we will advise GESOP not to pay the fees. The MPRA collects fees from the various teams to perform a certain function. And if the MPRA is reneged, on this responsibility, then we don't think that the NPRA ought to be paid its fee. So the end of February is come, and we began the month of March. And because a huge sums of money are owed to the Ghana Education Service Occupational Pension Scheme, which is Ghana Education Service workers' money that ought to be invested for value to accrue on the money for their retirement, we have indicated, decided that we are no longer going to pay the MPRA fee until such a time that the MPRA does what it is mandated to do. Do you know why the government, even though it has deducted the, the money from your salaries, has not made the payment to the appropriate uh, institution that has to be receiving this money? In fact, that baffles us. That baffles us. And the law even uh, places penalty on the government for failing to transfer money. The government is charged, but the government never pays the government never pays the charges because it is government. So they really don't care about the laws governing this whole arrangement. But it's been eight months, so why have you been quiet over it? And because recently you, 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 you had issue with the domestic debt exchange program and government immediately responded positively for you. Why haven't you said anything about this for eight months? Oh, we have said 
thinks about this matter severally. In fact, the ultimatum was even given a month ago. Severally, we have raised issues that we are expecting the control and accountant general to immediately transfer money to third parties. Immediately, the monies are collected. Controller and accountant general owes third party organizations and institutions huge amounts of money. And we don't know why this situation should arise because the money actually belongs to the people from whom the monies are deducted. Okay, so now that you say you are going to cease payments to the NPRA, you are effectively threatening the NPRA. So you want the NPRA intent to do what it has to do. You do not want to deal with government directly, you want to deal with NPRA. Yes, the NPRA is a mandated state institution main purpose to regulate pensions in this country. So if the NPRA is not up to the task, then we are throwing the pension scheme and the new pension policy arise. We do not want to melt ourselves down to what SNIT has become. We don't want to get to where SNIT has got into. Therefore, the institutions that have been mandated by state and by law should be up and doing and not to see themselves as a, an extension of government and appendages of certain ministers. Okay, we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on that and see. We'll try the NPRA to see if they'll be responding to these uh, issues you've raised. But thank you for speaking to us. Thank you. That's Angel Kabonu, he's president of the um, National Association of Graduate Teachers, NAGRAD. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Uh, still ahead, we have Point Blank. On Point Blank, we'll be telling you more about what's happening in Nigeria. Uh, Bola Tinibu has having been declared the winner of the presidential polls of Saturday. But before then, Nashika Caesar has the latest headlines from the world of business. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. It's time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nashika Siza. Let's settle for the details. The Association of Ghana Industries, AGI, has highlighted the need for businesses in the country to adopt renewable energy and energy efficiency sources to help local producers considerably cut down cost of production. This, the AGI maintains, will help the businesses stay competitive under the current economic situation. The chief executive officer of the Association of Ghana Industries, Seth Chumakwaba, made the call on the sidelines of the launch of a new website for the Energy Service Center of the Association today. It is important that we look renewable and especially solar. Today we all know the electricity tariffs in Ghana, very high. I know, I remember that after the energy crisis, effort was made to resolve our energy issue. So we brought in various IPPs, did more terma, included a lot of uh, activities in our energy mix. But the effect is that whilst we're able to solve the access problem, costs 
became unbearable. And today, Ghana still has one of the highest energy tariffs within the sub-region and even beyond. So if energy is costing us this much, and in recent times, the cost of production has gone up so much, and complaints all over our members, what do we do to reduce costs of production so that we become competitive? The good thing is that renewable energy, and solar in particular, is gradually coming across as a very important alternative. We never dreamt of it because it was too expensive. But today, when you do the mathematics of it, eventually it makes business sense. So I'm not surprised that the interest is growing and people are coming to us and they want to go renewable. They just need to make the next step of indeed acquiring it. Seth Chumakwawa is the chief executive officer of the Association of Ghana Industries. Now the government, as part of efforts towards improving poultry production and mitigate the outbreaks of disease in the sector, is to set a set launch a standard operating procedure for players in the industry. This has become necessary as the country has in the last couple of years experienced major disease attacks in the poultry sector, which cost the government huge sums of money in compensation. Dr. Joseph Abad, the Greater Accra Regional Director of Veterinary Services, stated that his outfit was optimistic that the implementation of the policy will help enhance growth in the poultry sector. He spoke to City Business News on the sidelines of a workshop organized by the Animal Welfare League. The Veterinary Services Directorate of the Ministry of Food and Agriculture in collaboration with the FAO of the United Nations and in collaboration with Keystick stakeholders in the poultry industry, we are developing a standard operation procedures so that uh, the poultry industry will move forward to the next level. And all is based on animal welfare because we are talking about biosecurity measures and biosecurity measures encompasses animal welfare issues, especially where they sleep, the food they eat and the environment that they are living in. We have uh, realized that most of the outbreaks that is occurring these days is through negligence of uh, biosecurity measures. So for that matter, we want, and the government is paying compensation for outbreaks of diseases uh, like zoonotic diseases like the bed flu. So we want to develop a standard that will guide the government to pay or not to pay compensation. And to do that, you need to train the farmers. The farmers might be aware and have checklists so that when we go to their farms to inspect, we can point to a, a, how do I say, a negligence, a, something that they have not done, so that we can uh, mark them on. Dr. Joseph Abba is the Greater Accra Regional Director of Veterinary Services. Meanwhile, speaking at the same event, Executive Director of Animal Welfare League, Daniel Abiliba, urged farmers to take advantage of the increasing demand for birds produced under cage-free systems. This is a system where birds are raised in conditions close to their natural habitat. The growing trend of caging in the poultry industry because uh, we think that cages are the, the new way to go. Unfortunately, uh, it is not. And, and as such, we are coalitioning these uh, farmers to, uh, who are already practicing this, uh, this thing, to help them to, uh, not to go the wayward. And then, interestingly, as I indicated, farmers are also, uh, 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 consumers are also uh, asking for differentiation in the products that they, they, they consume. So having this network will also help farmers to be able to label their products to 
uh, market their product as they are so that they wouldn't be uh, left on the counter because they are uh, cage free and because global companies uh, uh, listen, like Nestle, uh, KFC are adopting cage free movement and then they have uh, uh, an outlet in Ghana here they would also be looking to source from uh, farmers who have cage free uh, uh, who are practicing the cage free systems you had Executive Director of Animal Welfare League, Daniel Abiliba. Moving on, the Chief Executive Officer of the Ghana Association of Banks, John Iwa, has assured of the commitment of banks in the country to make loans easily accessible to women entrepreneurs. Mr. Iwa says the banking institutions through the Afawa Initiative will take care of the bottlenecks such as collaterals, which make it difficult for women in the country to easily get loans from banks to expand their businesses. Statistics show that there are over 45% of women in businesses. However, only 4% of them have financial access. Doniwa was speaking at the launch of the Affirmative Finance Action for Women in Africa, FAWA Finance Series in Accra. Our society is so organized in the manner that property ownership resides in one side of the agenda. And of course, if you want to undertake enormous business activity, particularly financial services, collateral becomes um, one core component. And because of collateral, a lot of businesses that are owned or led by women um, have fallen off the finance radar. And that is where the special arrangement of the guarantee fund uh, helps. It helps to, uh, when we were there, the other de-risk um, businesses that are owned by um, women. And in Ghana, in particular, uh, like most other African countries, the businesses you have here are either small or medium scale. So the emphasis on MSMEs are also very critical. And we know in our part of the world, uh, most of these small businesses are owned or led by businesses. And that is why, as banks, we are extremely excited at the prospects of um, doing this. When it comes to credit, it takes two to tango. You need the lending institution and you need the borrower. Jody Wai is the Chief Executive Officer of the Ghana Association of Banks. Finally, in its quest to reward loyal customers, Etel Tigo has climaxed its text for wheels promo with a grand prize of a brand new Suzuki Baleno awarded to the ultimate winner, Tafuk Adams. Etel Tigo text for wheels promo, which was launched in November 2022, was an SMS-based promo organized in collaboration with El Kutu Consult under the supervision of the National Lottery Authority. Speaking on the sidelines of of the ceremony, the director of marketing of Etel Tigo, Isaac Buama, showed customers of continuous exciting office. Regarding this promo, I mean, we did this promo to excite all our customers. Our customers have been loyal to us over the years. So we did this promotion basically to engage them, to excite them, to reward them. Um, this promo was uh, started in November um, last year uh, till Feb early February this very year. Um, every single week, we're giving cash rewards, and we've had so many of our customers come in here, in here. We've touched their lives. We gave all the cash to all of them, and this very day, we rewarded the grand winner, which is by giving away this brand new Suzuki Baleno car. Um, all we would say is that at Etel Tigo, whatever we do is transparent. We live by our core values. We did this promotion in conjunction with NLA, so everything that we've done here is very, very transparent. So. 
all I'll tell customers out there and every single Ghanaian out there is that get yourself an Airtel to go, be on this network of choice, and whatever we do, just partake in it. You may be the lucky winner next time, next time round. Thank you. At Airtel Tigo, we are known for innovations. If you look back over the last couple of years, you've seen that we've come up with Tugumisu promotions, which we gave out cash. Um, so we, we are coming up with so many innovative things. What is important is that we need to touch the lives of all our customers. That was the Director of Marketing at Eltel Tigo, Isaac Buama. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News, which was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nashika Caesar. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. This is Point Blanc on Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. So we take you to Nigeria now. There was an election on Saturday. A coalition has happened. A winner has been found. Last night, Professor Mahmoud Abubakar, the INEC board, declared two-time governor of Lagos, the godfather of Yoruba land or southwest politics of Nigeria, the godfather, as they call him, a founder of the democracy of Nigeria, Bola Tinubu, as the president elect. We've been bringing you the stories now that there's a president elect. We want to bring you his acceptance speech. Let's listen to Bola Tinubu. Back to this page to really thank you. I say whether you are batified or articulated, obedient, quanquasia, or have any other political affiliation, you voted and struggled for a better Nigeria more hopeful nation and i thank you for your participation and dedication to our democracy you decided to place your trust in the democratic vision of a nigeria funded on a shared prosperity and one nurtured by the ideas of unity justice, peace, and tolerance. Renewed hope has dawned and landed in Nigeria. I represent that promise and with your support I know that promise will be fulfilled. You will, and we will achieve it together. I commend INEC for running a credible election. No matter what anybody says, 
race. I never see any of you who did not make either arithmetic mistake or grammatical error in their classes, not to talk of the lapses, few lapses that were reported were relatively few in number and were immaterial to affair the final outcome of this election. Let's be realistic. But is underlying report reliable? Yes. I say so. International community says so. And the arithmetic says so. With each cycle of elections, we steadily perfect the process so vital to our democratic life. Today, Nigeria stands tall as the giant of Africa. It shines even brighter as the continent's biggest democracy. You should be proud of that. Not don't that our thing because you didn't win the election. You are a patriotic citizen. Be helpful to our integrity, character, and reputation. We have created the biggest democracy as, in, as Nigerians. We should be proud of that. I thank all you, all of you who supported my campaign. Most especially President Muhammadu Buhari, GCFR, for his commitment and dedication to the cause of our democracy, he is indeed a true patriot. I must also thank his wife, it is the entire family. They were on this election. They keep their eyes on the ball, committed, patriotic, loyal, and firm. I also thank my running mates and the vice president elect. His name is Shetim, Senator Kazim Shetima. Equally former governor. He's Rambonu, an immovable pillar of support. 
and all other of you, many of you who had supported the campaign. Yes, I remember, and thank you for voicing it out, that Valike is there. Valike is an a committed worker, dependable, cerebral, and financial. To the progressive governors of our party and this nation, to the party leadership and many loyal members, you, the progressive party, you have the opportunity in one in many ways to betray your party. You face a cashless policy. Some of you still owing party agents. But despite that fact, despite the austere pockets, you deliver victory without your dedication. I will not stand before you as governor and president-elect. You made it possible, progressive governors. There is no way I can ever intentionally let you down. I owe you a debt of gratitude to the entire campaign organization, the women. The women leader, no name, no woman, no nation. They did everything possible. Creative dancing, intelligent discussions, programs of ideology, things about the health of our nation was a great importance to them. They did a good job, particularly the leadership of the women group. They were equally the highest number of voters dedicated. We must thank them. We must thank them. The entire campaign organization, as they say, they run a parallel line as women. 
we arrived, we arrived at the same destination. Today, we can reap the benefits of it, victory, the joy of democracy, the power of deciding what next. Let me say thank you to, to, my, to my lovely wife, Oluremi Dinobu. You, the senators, don't expect her back. It's going to be my housewife. Enough, enough of lending. The other room. If you are not tired of me now, I won't be tired of you. I am very happy. To you, they want to hear that announcement has been made that been elected. The President of the Federal Republic of Nigeria. This is a serious mandate. I hereby accept it. That money to serve you, be your servant, and not be your leader. To work with you and make Nigeria a great country. I take this opportunity also again to appeal to my fellow contestants to let us team up together it is the only nation we have it is one country that we must build together We work together to put broken pieces together. We must work for the unity, happiness, and harmony. We not, must not act like that orchestra 
that there's no direction of a conductor. So that's Bola Tinubu, the new president-elect of the Federal Republic of Nigeria, giving his acceptance speech. For a few hours later, Labour Party, the party that many thought was going to go to the Asorok, which is the seat of government, the party led by Peter Obi, which has performed wonders, though, I must say, said it was going to court. Dati Ahmed Yusuf Baba is a running mate of the party. He spoke to pressmen. Listen. On behalf of our presidential candidate, Mr. Peter Obi, I address you all and indeed all Nigerians on the current situation in the country following the announcement of the purported result of the presidential election held on 25th February 2023. First, let me sincerely thank all Nigerians for their belief in us and for coming out en masse to vote for the Labour Party and for the cause they believe in, the birth of a new Nigeria. We are immensely grateful to the youth, obedience, and all support groups, including Nigerians in diaspora, for their sacrifices, conduct, and commitment to a better Nigeria. It is our position that the purported result did not meet the minimum criteria of a transparent, free, and fair election. In addition to the most condemnable attacks, violence, voter intimidation, and suppression, the election was conducted in clear violation of agreed and promised ANEC rules and guidelines, the Electoral Act 2002 as amended, and indeed the Nigerian Constitution. As evident, the institutions of the state and leaders that were supposed to ensure the sanctity of the election, again, and as in the past, collaborated and colluded to subvert the will of the good people of Nigeria. Please be assured of our determination to fight the injustice that have been perpetrated on Nigerians through all legal and peaceful means. While painful, we implore you all to please remain peaceful and calm, as our fight and determination for a new Nigeria is just beginning. We equally encourage you all to continue with the campaigns and vote massively for Labour Party in the forthcoming governorship and state's House of Assembly elections on 11th March 2023. Our principal, His Excellency Mr. Peter Obi, will in due course speak to you and indeed the nation. Thank you and God bless the Federal Republic of Nigeria. We cannot sit Nigeria, we cannot tell Nigerians not to vote, not to be part of Nigeria anymore. If you sit in your country and you don't vote, you don't belong to your country. So that's Labour Party running mate in the just ended elections of Nigeria, Dati Ahmed Yusuf 
Baba. Earlier, you heard from Bola Tinubu, the man who has been declared president-elect of the Federal Republic of Nigeria. That would be it for Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadou. Production by Beverly London, Wilson Kobna and Sami Uyafi. Technical support from Daniel Squashi. Right. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959. And get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM, and on Twitter at City 973.